You're a footballer. You've got everyone shouting your name and that. Well, it all depends what they're shouting. True that. And I have heard things, things that aren't right, but, you know, the people who say horrible stuff, they're just stupid. Don't let them get to you. It says more about them than it does about you. Do you uh, want another one? No, but thanks, though. It's dead nice of you to offer. It's the last day of my holidays, and I promised myself that I wouldn't waste it by sitting in the pub all afternoon. I'm going to practice Mongolian throat singing up on the Red Wreck. See you in a bit. See ya. To episode 104 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch up podcast that would rather its cover art hadn't been nicked by a former Georgian alderman and suspected paedophile and appalling misogynist. But what can you do? I'm Gavin. And I hate people. People are the worst. People are the worst. Especially that dude. You know what's terrible about people? What? Just the fucking people. <laughs> Except, of course, people who listen to this podcast. They're the best. Sure. <laughs> Because they're staying home and listening to a podcast. I'm assuming. <laughs> That's quite a big assumption. <laughs> no? What? I think I hit something that I shouldn't have hit. Huh? <clears throat> I need to wet my whistle a little bit. It's yeah. still very early. Yes. And we've both been a bit achy and stuff lately. And allergy season has just been horrible this year. It's starting to get to me. <laughs> and by starting to get to me, I mean it's been getting to me for a while. Mm. Sitting in my little chair for I don't know how many hours in a day. Get <laughs> up and move it, around. It's the, the, the way that the screens are are kind of placed as well. Are, because we had two screens. Mm-hmm. And then one of the screens was kind of dodgy and it, it would take sometimes three seconds to come on and sometimes it would take five days before it would come on right so we switched it out with the tv that used to be in here so you could play playstation games that the kids shouldn't watch you play that i never did (laughs) or i did for like a month you did you got most of the way through red dead redemption didn't you i got to the epilogue and then lost interest you were almost done and you lost interest yeah something quite a significant happens at the end of the main story that just yeah, you can't done after that. Your horse dies. No. Oh. However, I did think about getting Snow Runner or Mud Runner. Uh huh. And I might do that next week. Ooh. Because I'm off next week. Oh, you did take next week off. I've taken next week off. I got up on Monday <clears throat> and thought I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so so difficult to get out. Mm-hmm. I went to bed on Monday. Yeah. Come down here, do the work stuff, do the stupid MS Teams video conferencing for another day. I needed something. So I announced in that meeting, I think I'm probably going to take next week off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's good for you. Yeah. Because I have almost 30 years service with this company. So I have quite the bank of vacation days. Yes. Is it, is it worthwhile taking time off because I'm not going to be doing anything different. I'm still going to be just in the house. And you or may maybe... need to take some time off in June, remember? Yeah. Well, I've still got tons of time. Right. 
Or maybe I'll sit outside. Yeah. Because it looks like it's going to be quite a nice week. Yes. So I might do that. Oh, excellent. You can use our new power washer to, no, to wash no, no, I'm just going to sit outside. And you're not going to do anything. You're just going to sit outside. I might, there's a couple of things that I might do, yeah. but I probably won't. Clean the bathrooms. Yeah, maybe I probably won't. Where is our bidet? <laughs> we ordered a bidet on March 6th, and we still haven't gotten it. Amazon, if you're listening... Shame on you. My asshole says, shame on you. <laughs> I would have sworn that we ordered that after lockdown started, but it was a week before. Yeah, because we were being sensible. We're like, okay, well, if there's going to be a run on toilet paper, if it's going to be difficult for us to find toilet paper, let's just get a bidet and then we'll need to use less toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And it's better for the environment. And it's smarter anyway, so... And plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, it's a little things. So, yeah. And uh, you got notification that it was supposed to be delivered May 10th. Oh, no, I had to search that out. I had to go into the, the order thing and find out. They weren't forthcoming with that information. But, yeah, it's... It's supposedly on its way, but it's been on its way for like three weeks now. And yes, I understand things are horrible and slow because everybody's ordering things online and stuff. But Amazon has its own trucks. Mm-hmm. Amazon does its own deliveries. Yep. Every day I see an Amazon truck and I get all excited. And then it stops next door or across the street. And I get so sad. The one that we bought. Claims to be easy to install, and when I looked at it the last time, it didn't look that easy anymore. Mm. I don't, I don't know what's changed. Mm. <clears throat> depression, probably. <laughs> My depression or your just, depression? Okay, right. Yeah. Lockdown depression from being shut off in this office. When you get out of work, you can come out into the other parts of the house. You don't have to stay here all the time, and yet you stay here <clears throat> all the time. That's I the just, problem. I like to watch my. My shows as opposed to whatever crap the kids are watching on TV. The kids are rarely watching things on TV. You could put whatever you want on that TV. I couldn't put that on TV, could I? Oh, yes, I could. Yeah. It's but just I- moving from one chair to another, though, isn't it? Yeah, but there's more sun in that room. Yeah, it doesn't get an awful lot of light in here. And well, it's you pull <clears> the shades. But then it reflects off the TV. And- yeah. That one doesn't. The one behind the TV. Yeah. I'm sure all of this is very fascinating for our listeners. I, I doubt it. It's not fascinating for me. <laughs> I'm finding this quite dull. <laughs> I like our <clears throat> wee office, but yeah, I mean, when I'm the only one here, and this is my workspace, which it hasn't been in over in months, it gets it gets to a point, especially in the winter time, it gets very dark in here and kind of gloomy. Yep. And you have to open the shades, but. So you want to move back in next week? I might. I might. That might be helpful because my back is just killing me from sitting in those dining oh, room chairs. Don't look at that chair for anything better. It's better. It's a worse chair. It's better. That chair's fucking killing me, I'm telling you. It's also, I'm looking at it right now, it's kind of gross. Yeah, I've been sitting in it for two months. It needs washing. <laughs> <sighs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Any other business? Oh, that's just nine minutes. That's really? That feels like a lot longer than nine minutes. It's because it's so dull. 
This better be good, by the way. Oh, God. This better be good. Give me some good Cory news. Jane Denson, Arlianne, is doing a great job with her current storyline, working with local charities and building awareness on social media. But she initially feared that this was an exit story for her. Then she spoke to showrunner Ian, who dispelled her fears. We look forward to seeing what the future holds for this character. Why did you think it was an exit story for her? She just felt like this... You know, that this kind of sounded like an exit, a soap opera exit story. You know, something happens to the kid and the mother moves away because there's nothing holding her to the place anymore. But then she remembered Simon. <laughs> uh-huh. And Nick and Toya. Mm. So. And I know people have moved away from the street for less. So. I don't know. Real life fans have launched a petition to have fictitious character Yasmin released from prison. You can find and sign the petition on change.org. It's the Weatherfield one all over again, although I doubt Boris Johnson will pull a Tony Blair and throw his support behind our Yaz. She's not in prison yet. I didn't write the petition. She's in jail. Yeah, she's remanded in custody until a yeah. trial, but she's, she's, not, in she's not in prison. She's I didn't write the petition. What's wrong with people? They're in lockdown and they're bored. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of get it. Do you? Being in lockdown and bored and, and oh, feeling, no. <clears throat> and feeling, you know, emotionally attached to a character <clears throat> so much that you want the best for them. I can kind of understand that. And at least people aren't making t-shirts yet. It hasn't gotten to the level that Deirdre got to but I still can't believe Tony Blair threw his support behind Deirdre and, and publicly said that she should be released oh that's because he was an awful human being yeah not as bad as Boris Johnson no <clears throat> we can't talk about that on this podcast no this isn't a, this a isn't podcast. a political podcast no. you may have noticed listeners yes we, we never talk about <laughs> It However, you're the one who just said that Tony Blair was a horrible person. Oh, that's which I'm not disa- true. Which I'm, which I'm not disagreeing with, but that's for another podcast. I'm going to just call that out. The, you know, <clears throat> horribleness has become relative, hasn't it? It really has. <laughs> Something, <sighs> a couple of things happened and the goalpost just shifted completely. Yeah. Where are the goalposts we've, anymore? We've, <laughs> we've lowered the bar. But anyway, finally, Lucy Fallon has expressed an interest in rejoining the cast as Bethany Platt. Hmm. Although she is still sending out tapes and auditioning remotely for other things. So we'll see. She hasn't ruled out um, coming back to the show a thousand times over to. She's just left. Yeah. But, you know, like I said about. um, What's his name? Robert, the guy who played Robert, you know, tweeted. Tristan Gimmel. Yes, on, on, on the Twitter about uh, picking the right time to leave a show <laughs> to the point where you can't come back. Mm-hmm. And I imagine lots of people who have who've left the show 
are finding are finding things a bit difficult because it's not easy to get an audition because nothing's going on right now. And nobody could have predicted this except for apart from all those people who predicted it. Epidemiologists and virologists and stuff, but none of those people talk to people who are soap opera stars. So we'll see. So Bethany may come back sooner than anyone anticipated. Which means Michelle might come back too, and um, who else left the show but didn't die? Um, what's her name? The one we hate, Kate. <laughs> as long as maybe we we get Wayne back, that that would be nice. Yeah, nobody's nobody's Wayne's not seen anybody that he'd like to come back <laughs> to Corey, or he'd one hundred percent love to do it. And nobody's asking him; he's not getting into the metro. And Rue just up and left the show. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this, fuck y'all. Fuck this, <laughs> fuck y'all. <clears throat> Her voice is lower than yours. Yeah. <laughs> you have a nicer beard, though. <laughs> hmm. And that's Corey News. Well, that's Corey News. <laughs> our mailbag, <clears throat> just a little, a little dribble in our mailbag this week. Ew. Dribble from, is from not a Chris. great word. Uh, yes, that one. Who actually communicated to me via uh, messages on Words with Friends. Oh, <laughs> People could get a hold of us anyway. So is this really a mailbag? I guess it is. You guys are friends on Words with Friends? Yeah, we're in the middle of a game at the moment. We've played several. This has been going on for months. <laughs> <laughs> he just laughed out loud and nearly fell off my bike at Corey News being introduced by Scooby-Doo. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's all we have. That's all we have in the real bag. I know we've talked <coughs> we've talked so much today, but we haven't said anything about the movies we've watched this week. We don't usually do that. We do sometimes. We did last week. That's why you said Ruby Roo. Mm-hmm. We did Rory get our Roos. first uh, our first perfect score last night. Forty out of a potential forty. Yeah. For my pick. Pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. Which it's it's kind of shocking that it took this long for us to watch it because it's a show. It's a movie that everyone in this household loves. Obviously, because we all gave it a 10. Since we started doing the uh, the connection from mm-hmm. one movie to the next, I think there's maybe been three or four opportunities to go to Pitch Perfect that mm-hmm. no one's done. So I was glad I've finally done it. Mm-hmm. It's good to watch it again, even yeah. though the, the version that we watched was kind of messed Right, because we had commercials and stuff. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm sure you used to do that earlier. I don't fucking care. <laughs> That's when I do it now. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Who is much hotter than you are. It's much hotter, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to John Oliver, though, for giving me my rabbit hole this week. Oh, yeah, you finally joined the, the marble racing watching crowd. I'm sure I posted something about it, like at the beginning of lockdown when all sports shut down and somebody posted about it. I don't remember seeing that. No. I'm not actually on Facebook all that much. No, you're I, not. It's smart. I go on and I put down my thought and then I go away. Right. I don't, I don't scroll through it an awful lot. Yeah. That said, it's currently up on, the, on one of those screens. 
but still. Yeah, the screen I can't see. I can just see Taskmaster. Mm. Right, right. That's still a rabbit hole. But Marbles racing each other. Who Who knew? Who'd have thunk? Who knew? I'm actually, two or three nights ago, I woke up from a horrendous nightmare that I'm not going to go into detail about. And it was, okay, well, that's me awake now. And it was like two o'clock in the morning or something. It's weird. I don't dream. I haven't I haven't dreamt this whole lockdown. So I have an iPad that's basically my alarm clock mm-hmm. that's at the side of the bed. So yes. I popped in the, the earbuds and I put on marble racing <laughs> and the marble Olympics. And it's weird. It really is ASMR. Just the little noise of the marbles clicking together. Mm-hmm. And it really did soothe you, soothe me, and put me back to sleep again. Oh, nice! So, well done, Marbles. This guy, Yella J A L L E, Marble Racing. Mm-hmm. Check it out on YouTube. It's just wonderful. Anyway, anyway, last year tonight was just enough time to quickly talk about another illusion shattered. This was Roy explaining where log cabins originated from to Audrey. Ah. Uh. I was Gavin, and you hate Millennial J, you said. Do you remember who Millennial J was? That was the guy on Corey that was trying to help Steve and Tim build a website for streetcars. Well done. Who promptly disappeared immediately afterwards, and I haven't heard, and I haven't seen any indication that they used that website at all, or that app. Because it was an app. They were building an app. That's exactly what I've got tattooed across my chest. Hmm. Yeah, he was the what guy I stare at every night. Who, who Tracy bullied into building a streetcar app that we never hear of again. Yes, this was not a good week in Corey. No, this was a terrible week in Corey. Yeah, although this may have been the birth of Rick the Chin. I think this might be the first Rick the Chin recorded <laughs> incident where we said Rick the Chin. Can we talk about his plants and his relationship with his plants? I didn't listen that closely. <laughs> Kirk sings a song about Beth's puppies and then disappears to Pontins for six months. Or six weeks. Hmm. Detectives Toya and Imran are determined to catch Nick. Sally jumps on the horsey bandwagon and ropes Yasmin, Jenny and Sinead into a seemingly speculative investment while unashamedly wearing a sleeveless body warmer. The Platts holiday plans are almost at fruition. The show completely ruins Coked Out of Her Tits Natalie. Remember they did that? We liked Natalie. She was great. We did great. like Natalie. And then they made her just this, just this character who constantly threatened Nick and David with telling the truth about right. the money and stuff. And she did it like a million times in one week. Craig gets a superfluous shave. The moment of the week was Tracy scared the shit out of Millennial Jay. And the boring moment of the week was take your pick. But Imran calling Toya Mrs. Carter and Toya not knowing what that meant got her pick. And I don't think I knew what that meant either. And I think I've forgotten what it meant. And you are staring at me like I'm speaking in a foreign language. Yes. And that was Talk I'm, of the I'm Street. I'm trying to think if I remember. Oh, it was Beyonce. Oh, yeah. That's right. Beyonce. It's Mrs. Carter. Why? Because that's her That's her last name. It was Knowles, wasn't it? Yeah. Before she married Jay-Z. She's married to Jay-Z now. And Jay-Z's last name is Carter. So she's Mrs. Carter. Jay-Z Carter. Well, his, his real name's not really Jay-Z. Jay-Z. 
<laughs> and that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time what do people last in, year. What do people in the UK call Jay-Z? They call him Jay-Z. They don't say, and they don't say ZZ Top either. <laughs> Can you imagine if they did say ZZ Top? That just doesn't sound as cool. ZZ yeah. Top. Because <laughs> ZZ Top are cool. They are cool. I love those beards. I've gotten a little bit of a... A semi kind of pylon situation on on Facebook last night mm. when uh, the Guardian posted an article saying that's Bono sixty now. Here are the top forty U two songs ever. <laughs> top forty U two songs. And I said, oh, I'm disappointed to see this as an actual list. I thought it would just be a blank page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine the pylon. And somebody says, "Well, aren't you so edgy and cool?" <laughs> You said in, no, actually, quite the opposite. So you're trying to say there hasn't been a, any good U2 songs? Yes, that's exactly what I'm implying. <laughs> well, well done on inferring that correctly. All Gav's opinions are not necessarily my opinions. <laughs> you two are shit. Utter shit. <clears throat> I like a few U2 songs, just like I like a few Coldplay songs, which you also oh, hate. <laughs> I think if someone I was to... I don't like Bono and Chris Martin. But I like a few U2 and Coldplay songs. If someone like gave me VIP tickets to see Coldplay <laughs> for free, if someone gave me them, I'd think about going. Mm-hmm. But you probably still wouldn't, especially not right now. Is it worth getting the virus? No. Remember when U2, when Apple and U2 got together and Apple put U2's new album on everybody's iPhones and mm-hmm. everybody got pissed about it. Yep, I complained. I So did I. I've deleted it off of my phone multiple times and it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. It's that little jobby that just doesn't quite catch the flush. And, oh, pops back up again. Because I mean, even if you like U2, it's not a great album. None of those songs are good. It's no Joshua Tree. I don't know. It's all kind of the same to me. Joshua, yeah. And clangy, clangy, <laughs> echoey. It's like the worst thing that happened was somebody gave the edge a FX pedal. <laughs> Just without that, it'd be absolutely nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> they get a little more pretentious in their old age, I think. Especially Bono. Bono is so pretentious. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, we were so talking about I got, last I got 93 uh, likes on it. Uh-huh. But the comments... You were ratioed. The, the, the comments were a little. There were more. A little hurtful. There were more comments than than likes. You were. Oh ratioed. no, no, there, there was more. There was more likes. I wasn't quite ratioed, but. Ah, uh, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to tell on Facebook because Facebook doesn't really tell you how many comments there are the way the Twitter does. Yeah, it does. Does it? Yeah, I've got thirteen comments on it because it tells me there's thirteen comments and yeah. ninety three likes, but most of the comments are are negative. Shall we dive in with you? <laughs> Please. Let's just do this. <laughs> trying to think of what we could cut out of that. <laughs> I think a lot of the words with friends stuff's going to go. <laughs> uh, our first storyline this morning is about Oliver. Again, I, I had a title for it and then I no, I'm not going to call it that. So, just Oliver. On Monday, Liz and Tracy have now arrived at the hospital. There's no more news. A doctor comes out and he's been sedated, not the doctor, and has now stopped stopped fitting 
but uh, she's not prepared to I hate sick. that word fitting. Why? Having fits. It just. It doesn't seem. It doesn't sound medical. It sounds more like, like hysteria or something. Something like an old timey word for these things. I don't know. I prefer seizing. I mean, I prefer not to seize, but you know what I mean. The doctor's not prepared to second guess what the cause is, and Oliver is going to be kept in overnight, so go and get him a wee, a wee, wee overnight take away bag. A wee overnight bag. Yeah. Back at the flat, Liz is in shock. Toya says Oliver is such a lively little lad. Is he? Oh, he was. Was he? Apparently. We didn't get to see much of him before he started dying, so. This is kind of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the- we're now suddenly asked I'm, to care I'm, about a kid I'm, that we've never really seen before. Yeah, it's like it's like Harry. You know, we saw Harry a lot when he was important to the storyline. When you know they they were fearing for his life while they were running away from the shooter, and then for the wedding. But since Sarah and Adam have gotten back from their honeymoon, we haven't seen Harry at all. And, and nor did it look like they took Harry with. They didn't take Harry with them, and Harry wasn't in the house. We've seen the other children who live in that house, but we haven't seen Harry at all. When I think of Oliver, I think of a kid asleep on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> so when somebody says he's such a lively lad, I'm like, really? <laughs> anyway, Liz hates to think of Oliver in the MRI machine, and she wonders if the hospital are looking for something in particular. Yeah, MRI machines <clears throat> are scary. He's sedated, though. Yeah. Adults are not sedated. At the hospital, Oliver is hooked up to machines. Steve and Leanne are at his side while Nick looks on through the window. He's so little, says Leanne. And later, Oliver's had his scan, but it's too early to know the results. <coughs> Tracy and Nick are left outside the room to chat with Aggie. Who, who just... Anyway. Who provides the necessary exposition that Oliver will be fast-tracked now that he's an inpatient. A little later, the doctor has noticed something going on at the back of the brain and they need to do some genetic testing and Steve worries that it's myotonic dystrophy because Jim's got that, Mm -hmm. but the doctor thinks that that's a long shot. Amy, Emma and Simon are in Roy's roles comparing presents that they've got for Oliver. In comes Liz and she explains what's going on. The The relationship between Amy and Simon is a weird one, isn't it? They're cousins who share a sibling. They're not technically brother and sister and also cousins, but they share a sibling. They're both Oliver's brother siblings. They're, Amy is Oliver's sister. Simon is Oliver's brother. But Simon and Amy are also cousins. It's like ding, Kentucky. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it's... it's it is weird, isn't it? And I never thought of it until this week when they're all sitting there talking about what they got for their little brother. And I'm like, oh my God. They're yes. kind of, in a way, siblings, but also cousins. Because they share a sibling. And their mom and dad are brother and sister. They could, they could marry. <laughs> they 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 technically could because Simon's adopted. Yeah. No, wait, no, because Simon is Peter's biological mm-hmm. son, so yes. they could not marry because Peter and Tracy are brother and sister. So they are first cousins. So they can't marry. I'm so confused. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, Liz tells them that the situation is a lot more serious than they thought. We all need to pull together, she says. Nick is sitting with Oliver when Toya and Liz come in. They put the line next to his pillow, so it's the first thing he sees when he wakes up. Put a little kiddle shit his pants. It's fucking <laughs> line next to me. Yeah, the line is what Amy and Emma got him. Simon got him a massive five-pound bag of lollipops. Right. Which is exactly what a, a kid in a coma needs. <laughs> uh, Steve and Leanne are speaking with the doctor. The tests have given them cause for concern. It's more serious than they thought. He's got a genetic disease, and it's impossible to say if there's anything they can do to help. The best guess they have is it's mitochondrial disease. More tests will confirm, and Leanne asks what it is. And apparently it controls the energy you need just to be alive, and the doctor refuses to be pushed into further prognosis. Just don't Google it, she says. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mighty mitochondria. That's the building blocks of a cell. You keep everything going. Next morning, Steve still hasn't Googled. Then Tracy shows up and gives Steve a hug, almost as though she's a human being who possesses empathy. I know. Tracy is quite, quite nice to everyone this week. Just for a spell. I, I, I keep expecting her to just... Blame get, Emma. Get a dig in, you know, just just, just for fun. And she doesn't. Gail bumps into Nick in the street. She asks about Oliver, but Nick hasn't got in touch with the hospital yet. And he has plans to open the factory uh, and give Steve and Leanne some space. Then Gail grabs the keys and she says that she'll open up. And she tells Nick not to hide <laughs> away from this and to be there for Leanne. She needs him. Do you know there are people on the internet who actually think that Oliver is Nick's son? Yeah. Even though there was a DNA test done right after Oliver was born, proving that he was Steve's son. Yes. Yeah. People have way too much time on their hands. It's because of the whole Nick talking about uh, David's epilepsy mm -hmm. that got people, oh, maybe this is a clue that Oliver is really Nick's son. No. They also thought that the brain damage that he got from the car crash is somehow transferable. But, but anyway. Anyway. So. If only the if only that was the dumbest thing people hypothesized about on the internet. Well, the show has some form of just reinventing history, so. That's true. And number one, Liz is there to look after Amy, who apparently has the green light to skip the first day back at school because of the Oliver situation. Liz and Amy are worried that Oliver isn't getting better and all the tests he's having to go through, it's a wee shame. Back at the hospital, Tracy gives Steve his charger, and now he's on <clears throat> Vogel. Nick shows up, and Leanne throws her arms around him. She's blaming herself, and Nick reassures her. He was just a normal, active boy the other week. Was he, though? Was he really? Just go with it, Gav. Just go with it. Power through. Steve has the results of his search. There are different levels of this disease, apparently, and some people live full lives. They need to find out what degree Oliver is at. So Steve and Leanne go in to see the doctor. Steve admits to locking up the con Steve admits to looking up the condition and different strains mean different things, he says. The doctor says that's true and they don't know what level Oliver is at yet. Steve insists that he needs to know right now if his son is going to live or die and this frightens oh. Leanne out of the room. Right, yeah, because up until this point she hadn't, you know, for her death wasn't on the table. No, she hadn't given any consideration. Right. So outside, Steve chases after Leanne while Tracy fucks off home to see Amy. I... Steve has never been more of a loving parent than he is right now when one of his kids might be dying. Mm -hmm. 
Aggie makes sure that Steve and Leanne are comfortable and Steve reckons Dr. Ward is worse than useless and decides to do more internet sleuthing. Leanne says that this is the last thing that they need. Yes. Aggie Aggie lets them know that there's a there's a there's an electric kettle and toaster just over there if you if you get hungry. And Steve says, you know, I want to try and remember the last time I turned around and you weren't there, Aggie. Stop. (laughs) She's such a creep. She is not. She's doing her job. She works there. That's her job. Gail sees Liz and Amy in Roy's roles and gives them the third degree with Oliver until Roy, voice of reason, tells Gail to tread more carefully. Later, round Oliver's bed. Steve and Leanne are reminiscing about Oliver as a baby and a toy clown called George Clowney. George Clowney. While Nick sits silently and watches at the back. Who do you think came up with that name, George Clowney? Was that Steve or was it Leanne? Because that toy didn't come with that name. Oh, it was Steve, I would guess. <laughs> Actually, I think he probably stole it from Tim. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Nick's kind of sitting in the background a little bit and he jumps up. And he can't do this, he says. He can't pretend that everything is fine. He loves this kid. Leanne doesn't appreciate this and drags him out. What's this all about? And Nick berates Steve for getting all these ideas from the corners of the internet. So they sit over his bed talking about a bear. Leanne points out that she's his mum and Steve's his dad. And we're just trying to help. Well, what am I? Asks Nick. And Leanne says that she doesn't give a fuck what he is right now and sends him packing. Yeah. Now. Now. I think it was ill-advised of Nick to choose that moment to say what am I yes so I think Leanne was probably well within her rights to say fuck off yes I kind of get that he's upset as well Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the time for that no it really wasn't yeah because you know when when things are bad when things are horrible you want to you you want to remember the good times. You want to think about the good times because reality is so, so horrible. And you want to assume that things are going to get uh, better. I mean, I was watching this and all I could think of were all of those parents out there right now whose, whose kids have come up, have come down with this new strain of, of COVID that presents as Kawasaki disease and gets them inflamed and everything and just thinking about the fact that those parents can't even be at the bedside of their children and you know how horrible that must be and it just I started weeping watching this just thinking about the reality of so many parents um I mean this sort of thing happens even when we're not in a pandemic parents finding out that they're going to outlive their children but it's just oof. Mm-hmm. Then on Friday, creepy Aggie is watching Steve and Leanne through the window <laughs> off the little room. I don't like that window. I don't understand because this and this is not the first time that I've complained about these weird windows in hospitals in the show. Hospitals do have windows though. Not in America mm. they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. I didn't I've I've been in a hospital room before overnight, and there was no creepy window where people could stare at me while I slept. The no. last room that you were in had a creepy window. No, it didn't. I'm pretty sure it did. No. We don't have creepy windows in America. It's the one thing we do right when it comes to healthcare. No creepy windows. 
There's like windows for like the nurseries and stuff, but not for people. I've just sworn there's a creepy window in that washroom you were in. No creepy window. And the door had a creepy window in it as well. No, yeah, the window. Yeah, there'll be like a little window in the door. Because that's when I knew that you were in that room. That's tiny, and you can pull the curtain around. There's no privacy in a hospital in Coronation Street. Certainly not when Aggie's around. Because <laughs> she's not doing her job. She's just standing staring at this little family scene for some reason. Toya comes along wondering why Aggie's been such a fucking creep. And later... <laughs> Stop! <laughs> later, Leanne and Toya are talking. Leanne hates the not knowing, but knows when she knows she'll wish that she didn't know. And then she starts to cry because she's so confused at that last sentence. Later, Leanne sees Nick outside. She's sorry, and so is he, and he admits to be struggling, and they seem to make up. Yes, which is nice. And that's as far as we go with that. I hope this makes them stronger as a couple, as opposed to pull them apart. I really do, because I like Leanne and Nick together. And I know they've been on and off again for years now. Mm -hmm. I hope this strengthens their relationship. Your prognosis, Dr. Helen. Well, Ali is going to die. We're still sure he's going to die. Yes. Is this a terminal thing? Mitochondrial disease? Absolutely. Especially in somebody so young. Hmm. Because the brain is still developing at this age and stuff. So, you know, if this is something, if you're like our age and all of a sudden your mitochondria start acting weird, well, you've had 40 years of development, so your body can kind of compensate for it. But at three, eh eh. And I mean, it is a genetic disease, so even at 40, you've had this in your body all along, but it doesn't kick in until later on in, in, in life. So, it's, it's interesting that, that they've, you know, I, I, like, I like when they do this. I like when they, they choose something that's not something that everybody thinks that they know about. You know, and they and they kind of shine a light on something that nobody has ever heard of and stuff. They could have very easily given Ollie cancer or something. Ah, so close to Sinead. Something that, um, well, I'm just saying cancer as in something that people know about or think they know about more of. So, leukemia. They could have given him leukemia. Yeah, leukemia is quite common. Especially in children. Mm-hmm. And can be quite horrible. Ugh. Mitochondrial disease will probably be a lot quicker than leukemia would have been, though. This was kind of pitched as being like the big story of the year or the big story of this half of the year. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more to it then if, if Oliver dies. Yes. And, th- and that's why I spoke truth to power in hoping that Nick and Leanne survive this. I think I think this will test their relationship. I think mm-hmm. this will test Tracy and Steve's relationship. And I think this will test the relationship between these two families. And kind of actually even three families because, you know, you've got Tracy's family. you got Steve's family. Although Steve's family is just him and Liz. Because Andy is never coming back to the never show. Never coming back. Never coming back. Never coming back. And then you've got to wonder how Aggie's and going to feel about this because she's such a fucking creep. Stop. And then there's the plots who are involved because of Nick. Oh, do you think we're building up to some kind of 
big family feud type thing somehow. Maybe. Where everybody's pointing fingers and... That's not really something you can blame anybody about, though, isn't it? It's a, well, it's a genetic it's disease. It's a genetic thing, so that's that's what it is. Right. It's not whose genetics, though. But it's not through neglect or no or purpose. It's just no. something that happened. Well, you should have gotten tested for this before we got married or before we hooked up, because that wasn't even a marriage. That was a that was a one night stand. One night stand, yep. Yeah. Mm. I read somewhere that it might have been from uh, our Mersey Tart. That this this child was kind of born, born to die, born out of a joke. That Steve and Leanne have a one night stand and she gets knocked up, right? Because he's spooge is so super potent and stuff, right? It's like, it's and a, now that you've got this kid, and it's like, what are we going to do with him? Right, it's it's throwaway. It's it's why they killed off Maria's fetus. Well, they, because they, they don't they, know what to do with that, children, right? And because they they didn't want, you know, many years down the road for Maria and Gary to have this tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really don't know what to do with children. Although I think that's something also Papa's share. Well, of course, because once they're born, they're no longer interesting. Right, until they become teenagers and right. start to have premarital sex. And can have stories of their own. Right. You're not going to be like five and have a storyline. Right. Because one... What can a storyline would that look like? And two, your actor probably isn't good enough to be able to carry a storyline yeah. on their own at, at five years although, old. Although, although I mean, um, what's her name? Hope. Yes, Hope was given a storyline. Hope was and and she was fantastic at it. I think she's very much the exception rather than the rule. That's true. That's true. But, you know. And they did it quite well, but she didn't really have an awful lot of lines to say apart from, Where's Jade? <laughs> <laughs> well, she had to make faces and stuff and, and burn things <laughs> and, and rip the head off a doll. Has a tendency to set fire, yes. She's, she's, she's this generation's Drew Barrymore. She's just. <laughs> you think she's on the coke? No, I just think she's a talented wee actress. Oh, okay. Who's going to have a, a very long career. I wonder if if she will. I wonder if she'll get to an age where she thinks, yeah, I've done that. I'm just going to give it up and go and well, maybe she'll become like be the a Olsen, teacher or something. Maybe she'll become like the Olsen twins and have like a multi-marketed empire of of clo- a clothing line <laughs> and a perfume line and you know hands in a multiple different businesses and also still be making residuals off of. <laughs> DVDs that they made as the, as Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and and their books. There was a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen chapter books. Where on earth are you going with this? <laughs> I have I have a lot of hope <laughs> for <Right>. hope. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Oliver was a joke. Yeah. Or the punchline to a joke. Right. And then didn't do anything. Right. And then we're suddenly being presented with him, like I said at the start. It's like they're, they're talking about him like he was this rambunctious, full of energy little boy that everyone loved. That Well, we didn't really see that. Mm-hmm. We, we saw kind of nothing of that. So we're being asked now to to care about it. Right. And it's a little difficult to care about it. Right. I kind of, as much as I didn't really care for Sinead, I felt her storyline, mm-hmm. it, it kind of... It, 
definitely touched me and it got me feeling emotional. There was an emotional connection with it well, that I don't particularly feel that I have with this wee boy. Well, like I said, who, who I don't know. My emotional connection is thinking about real live parents and what real live parents are going through right now. Right. And imagining if we were put in that situation, how horrible it would be. Yeah, I get that. I just. But not... for this particular character. And I mean, you're right because, you know, we see occasionally this trade off between Leanne and Steve, like passing Oliver back and forth. But we don't really see much of a story built out of that. We don't see any anything new or interesting added to that relationship. So... Right, and, and the build-up to this, he was almost an inconvenience and just something that Leanne could use to be angry at Steve about. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, even with, um, even with the quads, you know... Now that, now that it's not as important to show all of them all the time as being a huge stressor in their lives, you you only see them like this week. We saw two of them. Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine this will continue. Yeah, we'll you, never, you'll see, never all see all of them, them in the same shot. We'll never see all of them in the same shot again until until they're teenagers and. You know, fighting bullies as a, <laughs> as a well, well, we'll get to the storyline, but I, in fact, we'll get to the storyline now. But I don't, I don't see how that's sustainable to have that many people in that house and never see them. Eh, think about how many people live in Ken's house. Yeah, but you, you, you tend don't, to see them. You don't. Yeah, but you rarely see all of them all together, at, or the Platts house. Again, think about how many people live there. And Seems that you never see Adam and Sarah have kind of set that up as their matrimonial home, which is weird. Adam's a lawyer. Where was he living before this? Why and, can't they move in there? And beforehand, and I don't think anyone's moved out. Well, Sarah had to sleep on the inflatable bed. In Audrey moved room. out. She was never there. Audrey was there for a while. That's why they had to move out. Oh, she had her. They gave there Audrey subsidence their... Right. Subsidence right. Anyway. But you got Gail, you got David, you've got Max, you've got Max's sister, whose name escapes me at the moment. Lily. Lily, right. You've got Sarah, you've got Adam, and you've got Harry. You've got seven people living in that house. You never see all seven. Even when Gail's party, they were able to do it so that the kids were away. Mm -hmm. And... Nobody showed up. <laughs> you never see, with families like that, the only time you see everybody in the family all together in the same house is like single parent situations. And even then, because you never see Liam. When was the last time we saw Liam with Maria and Gary? Oh, a couple months ago, maybe. Yeah. You never see Liam. Anyway. And Jake. When was the last time we saw Jake? A child who had his own storyline. Jake did? Or am I thinking of the other one? You're thinking of Jack. Jack, <laughs> yes. When was the last time we saw Jack? Jack, who, let's remember, only has one leg. 
And yet we never see him on crutches or in his wheelchair anymore. Does that make him easier or harder to find? <laughs> Let's move on. <sighs> Depressing Gemma. We now have a series of kind of short storylines. Mm-hmm. On Monday, Gemma is now telling her story to the little support group thingy that she's at. Yes, which is nice. She used to like dreaming, but now it's like a horror movie. She dreams about the babies getting hurt and sometimes they die and sometimes she's the one that's causing the harm. Chesney looks on like, what the actual fuck? She's too tired to do any of the nice milestone stuff, like taking palm prints and the first tooth and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The woman from earlier understands and says that things do get better. Back home, Gemma's feeling calmer and a bit better about everything. It was good listening to the other mums. She knows that she's not the only mad bint in Weatherfield now. Chesney is mega proud of her and calls her a warrior princess. And then they smooch. And then Bernie arrives and Gemma's still looking brighter thanks to the therapy group. She's like a different person already and makes plans to take the quads out for some fresh air. Later, Gemma is filling in Cathy about her postnatal depression at the kebab shop and in comes Sean, who initially thinks that they're talking about him. <laughs> because because Sean. he's Sean. Gemma puts him right and she doesn't care who knows about her depression and Sean sucks a thoughtful tooth about all of this. So in a bit... Sean then shows up at Gemma's house. He's had a brilliant idea. He says that when he was homeless, seeing other people's online testimonials really helped. How was he And it made to... me wonder what access to the internet did homeless Sean have, other than using up all of Carol's free data on her iPhone. <laughs> I was wondering that too. Poor was Carol. he like visiting the public library all the time? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He thinks Gemma should do a vlog. Cathy is recording Gemma on her phone. She holds up a magazine with an old Freshco's advert and she calls the supermarket out for photoshopping her image and the harm that that did. But they don't care. They only care about the money. Be like this and you'll be happy, says Gemma. Don't be like this and you'll feel worthless. Word, says Cathy. I loved that. I loved Cathy's word. I hated it. I loved it. Do you think this is going to backfire on her calling out Freshco's this way? I presume so. Yeah. Because we don't see the bit where she's talking about the postnatal depression no. stuff. She's she's done all that. We we come to this afterwards, just as in, in her closing. Yeah, where Sean says, "Is there anything else you want to talk about?" Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's not wrong, but calling out frescoes like that, I think there's a part of their contract. And remember, Imran told them to lie low, you know, after breaking the contract. I think the money the money's gone though. Right. Which is why Chesney's working all the hours that God sends right. in a kebab shop. Yeah, but they they Freshcoats didn't sue them for breach of contract because they did it quietly and they told them to lie low and Imran advised them to lie low so Freshcoats doesn't remember that they broke their contract. I'm not sure there's a contract they didn't want to break. Hmm. But it was telling that the bit that we got to see was her pissing all over Freshcoats. Yeah. So either it is just her body image thing that they want to put out there, or because she said that she hasn't published it yet. Mm. So one assumes that it's going to get published. Yes. I assume by accident. That's how things usually go on the show. Right. So this is going to get accidentally published by Chesney leaning on the laptop or or something, <laughs> or, or maybe Joseph playing about with it in the bath. Or maybe Paul will be like, why haven't you published this? You were so brave to do this. Let's... Then clicks the button, right? Right. Because isn't that how the whole thing with um, the the pedophile guy 
with with Bertie, not Bertie, Bernie, chasing the pedophile guy and trying to catfish him. Oh, let's not talk Remember about that. that. That's awful. That's, that's dreadful. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of yeah. think probably. I like the way the storyline is going. I like that it seems like she's getting a lot of support now. And the family is working out really well. It was hilarious when uh, Bernie comes in and, and they ask her to go get their their cups of tea. And she goes out and she brings them in and she gives Gemma her t- cup. And then Chesney reaches out to get his cup and she keeps it and drinks it herself. Right. That was funny. Get your own tea. It, 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 it still amuses me that that there's still this this little thing between Chesney and Bernie where they both kind of still dig at one another. Mm-hmm. Gently now, but it's still there. Just one scene on Friday uh, at the bistro opening. Chesney's keen to see the vlog that Gemma's made, but she's not uploaded it yet. And then she steals an entire plate of spring rolls from Faye. That was hilarious. That was that. So that's her. She's turned this corner now. Right, yeah. She's, she's getting back to the old Because she went Gemma. to therapy once. So. No, this is like her second time. No. No, because remember, she went before and she just listened. No. Like I last week, that. yeah. She went last week and she just listened and she said it was good to hear everybody talk about. This the is thing. the same. This was this was the same. No, they're wearing different clothes. No, this is the same. No, they're wearing different clothes. No, they're, they're not. And it looks like a different room. It's darker. It was the same. She's sitting in the exact same place. Mm. The woman that talked last week is the same woman who now says it gets better. I don't think so. Yeah, it was. It's just because of the... She'll continue to go, though. Just like she'll continue to take her meds that we don't talk about We just won't see it. No. Our next storyline is uh, just a brief bit about Shite Club. On Monday, Craig and David have finished their run. David doesn't think running is as good as cruising for a bruising, and he admits to Craig that that's what he's doing in that estate the other day. It's an adrenaline rush. He's running for his life, literally. Craig tells him to think about his family. This is self-destructive behaviour. He needs to find something else to do, something more positive. Craig seems to be personally affected by this, and he wants David to promise to knock this shite on the head. Mm -hmm. And that's all that happened with that. How do you think they're going to address Colson Smith's Dramatic weight loss when he comes back to filming. They're going to ignore it and hope that no one talks about it. (laughs) That's what they're going to do. Because he is trimmed down. He he looks like a completely different person. He really does. He's lost a power of weight. And during lockdown as well, how do you do that? All he does is run and watch shite movies. (laughs) What was the movie this week? Chef. I can't believe, I can't believe Ben Price gave it such a low score. I don't think I've seen it. Well, the fact that Jack P. Shepard and Colson Smith both gave it like a 10 or a 9. They both gave it 10s? They both gave it high scores. And then Ben Price comes in with like a (laughs) 5. And Colson Smith was so mad. He's always mad when people score his movies low, but he picks bad movies. They are still really obnoxious when it comes to pronouncing foreign sounding names though they're like mocking chef roy Choi's name on the show this week and it's just like guys anyway this has nothing to do with what we're talking about what's next week's movie oh, oh god it's a foreign film they've picked old boy they're going to subject colson smith to old boy 
What on earth? This is going to break him. They may not. I mean, is it streaming anywhere? I'm sure you can get your hands on it, yeah. Yeah. Subjecting him to Korean film. He's seen Parasite, though, which is more than we can say for ourselves. We still haven't seen it. Old boys. If if this is a movie I'm thinking of, Uh it's pretty extreme. Hmm. I don't think Colson Smith's ready for this. (laughs) It's no racing stripes, is what you're saying. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm I'm kind of bored of the whole David self-destructive again thing. And and Shona's coming back soon, so I think this is just kind of getting him ready for her to come back. Bork, bork. Are we supposed to be getting grocery delivery today? No. When are we? Oh, we got it yesterday, didn't we? we? Yesterday. At the end of the day, I was asleep. We got two. Yeah, yesterday. I I did one, and you did the other. Mm-hmm. Our next storyline. We have way too many mixed vegetables <laughs> and orange juice and I, chocolate milk. I kind of when I'm building up the shopping list, I kind of I try and remember <laughs> what we've used in the week. And I try to add it on as we're using it. So if you cook chicken, I'll add chicken to the list. So we kind of maintain a kind of equilibrium of, of groceries. But sometimes I have little blind spots and I overorder things that I think that we're <laughs> running out of. Such as frozen mixed veg. <laughs> which is now kind of all that's in the freezer at the moment. This is bags of mixed veg. Did our uh, dishwasher tabs come? I didn't see any. Did you order dishwasher mm-hmm. tabs? Because we're really low on them. Yeah, and we don't even have any regular dishwashing soap. I'm sure all of this is very fascinating <laughs> to people. Let's move on. Moving on. Courting Evelyn. On Monday, Aww. Evelyn is ready for her afternoon dance with Arthur, uh, Tyrone and Fizz. Rub the two of them up about not being... Uh, but sta- not like that. Staying out late and making sure Arthur doesn't take advantage. So later they come back from the dance... They've brought some soft treats home. Fizz suggests that she and Ty leave the lovebirds to it and uh, they go off to get their hole or whatever upstairs. Arthur thinks Evelyn has softened up over the years and Evelyn insists that she's an equal opportunity tyrant. Arthur pats her hand and it looks like they might winch and then she goes off to make some cocoa. On Wednesday, Tyrone comes down in the morning and is surprised to see Arthur at the table. Tyrone reckons Arthur must have spent the night. (laughs) Evelyn insists that he's just popped in as he was in the Early for a doctor's appointment, there's something wrong with his ear. Mm. In the afternoon, Arthur and Evelyn come in and get more gentle ribbing, but not like that, from Fizz and Tyrone. Tyrone, in particular, is as happy as a dog with two cocks about this. Evelyn <laughs> insists that Arthur is just an old friend, and that's all it is. But then she looks at him, and she kind of smiles, mm-hmm. and you think, yeah. Yeah. Poor Roy. I like Arthur, though. I do like Arthur. He's a nice guy. Arthur's He's a nice right. character. We'll keep him. Mm-hmm. Still want Evelyn and Roy to hook up, though. Because that's just... That would make my day. She'd drive him crazy, I think. And he'd drive her crazy. I know, and that's what I like about it. <laughs> Moving on to what is now our penultimate story. Woohoo! It's just a couple of scenes from Wednesday about Nina's music. Oh. <laughs> on Wednesday, Evelyn is walking... Really? We're making this into a storyline? Well, it, it came up in two scenes, so it became <laughs> worthy of mention, I think. Plus, it's kind of funny. Evelyn is walking by Roy's rolls. What the fuck is that noise, she asks. And Roy says, it's Nina's music. 
Evil Scarecrow, asks Evelyn. Cradle of filth, says Roy. <laughs> this is worth mentioning just for Roy, hearing, hearing Roy say Cradle of filth. And, and for Evelyn to apparently know something about some goth bands, because she says Evil Scarecrow. Is that a thing? I don't know, but <laughs> it sounds like, at least on the show, it's a thing, because she's listening. That's what she said, though, right? She said Evil, Evil Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Later, Ed is in Roy's roles. He tells Roy that if he needed work done upstairs, Roy should have come to him. He's assuming that the noise upstairs is the workman. But Roy explains that it's Nina's music. Yeah, apparently they alternate. So, like, one day it'll be Roy's music, one day it'll be Nina's music. Yeah. And I love this. Kirk, who wants to know if Roy accepts Scottish money, likes the music, but then he likes everything. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that whole Scottish money thing. To take Scottish money. You try, you try giving... A Scottish tenor to a London cabbie, they'll tell you to fuck off. Yeah. Well. And they're not allowed to do that. No. It's legal tender. Right. But just we, we discussed this on our show, Common Language, when we discussed American versus British money. I think I've probably complained about it on here as well. Yeah. Because you can spend an English tenor up here. Up here. <laughs> you can spend an English tenor in Scotland and no problem. In fact, you can get an English tenor out of a bank machine. Evil Scarecrow is, in fact, a real live, honest to God, goth band. Well, <laughs> I've never heard of them. No. Oh, it God, was, I'm uh, that age. I'm, a, I'm that age now. Well, it was uh, Friday, either Thursday or Friday, was National Goth Day. Mm-hmm. So I listened to quite a bit of goth music because one of my podcasts, um, because it was National Goth Day, just played all goth music. And it was fun. More of a shoegazer. You are. Finally, this week. It's a bad week for the Baileys. And then it becomes kind of a good week for the Baileys. On Monday, Tim and James are at Roy's Rolls getting a sausage sandwich, but not like that. Oofed. James complains about people spreading rumours, and Tim seems to think everyone is gender fluid now and everyone's getting off with each other. Gay is so 1990. Tim offers to be James's bodyguard and Alex pipes up that his mum's harder than Tim. I think Tim would actually shag James. Yeah. If he weren't married. I think he probably would anyway. He's not married. Well, he says he's married. He doesn't. He did No, last week, remember, he said he's, he's not my type because I'm married. He's a good looking lad, but I'm married. Yeah, but he said that to... Uh, Superfluous character. Right, but still, Do- he said it. Doesn't have to be it. true. Right. Doesn't have to mean it. It's it very sh- interesting, Tim, saying that he's gender fluid, considering how close his, his relationship to Steve is. Oh, those two are lovebirds, yeah. Oh, absolutely. At the Bistro, Dawn presents Ed with a snagging list. Michael's had enough. Ed just wants to get on with it, but Michael decides to go on his break, and Dawn gets torn at him for being Generation Snowflake. Can't say fuck all these days without offending someone, says Dawn. At home, I Michael, hate Dawn. Michael is complaining to Aggie about Dawn. I hate that prick, and Ed just takes it, he says. In comes James, who has been threatened with being put on the transfer list because of that altercation with a dickhead in the street the other day. He's on thin ice, and this makes no sense. No. It's it's fucking ridiculous. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Right, because James isn't the one who told the guy to fuck off. It was Tim. And plus, it happened in the street... Yeah. How how on earth did this get back to the? Well, if the if the fan complained that day, 
Because this is the same day. Well, the fan could it's have gone, that day. The fan could have gone home and made a phone call or emailed or posted on social media how much of a prick James is and can't take a joke and he's such a snowflake. And can't imagine that the manager's going to give a shit about that. Can't imagine it. I don't know. It's dinner time at the Baileys and they're still work needing done at the bistro. Michael points out that uh, this Don guy's a racist and doesn't know why Ed doesn't say something. Ed doesn't see the point and Aggie thinks Michael should just ignore it. Then it's the bistro opening party on Wednesday and Michael has no intention of going and has plans to see Tiana. Fuck that, says Aggie and tells him to bring Tiana along to the party. James should have had a football match but he missed the cut to the squad. This is exactly what Ed has been worried about, he says, and James storms out angry at his dad. Ed thinks James needs to toughen himself up. Then later, Ed is in Roy's roles, and Fizz quizzes him over the bistro job. Ed says it's nearly ready ahead of the opening tonight. Then in comes Michael, who is still taking the day off. He also advises Ed to go easier on James, but Ed ignores him and wanders away. Then Kirk sees James in the pub. He reckons it must be nice being a footballer. Kirk has heard some dodgy songs in the terraces and advises James to ignore it. They're all useless spanners. And he goes off to practice his Mongolian throat singing. In comes Michael, who gives James a hard time for having a pint. And James tells him to bolt. So this is all building up to what happened on Friday, which was mm-hmm. Friday Oft. was essentially more or less a hundred percent. Yes, which Bailey's. Was nice. I liked it. James has been melancholy as he looks through his photo album of his sporting achievements. Meanwhile, a thoughtful Ed is at the bistro washing a paintbrush, and Michael is there with Grace and Tiana. And James announces that he's going to quit football. Michael goes to the bistro to complain about this to Ed when Don interrupts and calls Michael the fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then mocks their diet in a Jamaican accent. Yeah. Like Fuck you. Fr- fried chicken or something like that. Yeah. He looks nothing like Will Smith. No. Michael stares at Ed as if to say, are you going to fucking say something here? But Ed still thinks they should pick their own battles and he knows what it's like to see racism and thinks Michael knows nothing. Ed says that he's been physically assaulted many times in the past. He starts showing off his scars. And he was fighting back in those cases. Mm-hmm. So he stood up in the past. Well, what about now, says Michael? Because if you don't stand up now, you're making this somebody else's problem later. Right. I think uh, Ed's, Ed's point is that it was so much worse back then where I was like being physically assaulted all these times that the little bit that ha- the, the bit that happens now is is nothing compared to it so I can I can let it slide mm-hmm. I remember growing up in the 70s and 80s and it was some of the things that you saw and heard even like things in the TV that kind of supposedly passed for comedy were awful horrendously racist Ugh. And then you had things like the the LA riots and stuff, and just it was it was awful. It's awful now. Don't get me wrong. It's awful now. I mean, we even even during lockdown, we still have African American people getting shot in their beds by police going to the wrong house. So, oh God, you're right about that. It's like, uh, Oh, as if it's not depressing enough, you've got to read stories of people being shot in their bed. Or being shot while jogging by people who aren't even police officers and then having it covered up. So shit is still awful mm-hmm. now, but even even now that, you know, you'll hear 
the argument that Ed is making from people who went through the civil rights era say, look, it could be so much worse. Let's let's pick our battles. Mm-hmm. And those people are the ones who try to convince me to vote for Joe Biden. But never mind. Later, Ray Weinstein pays Ed and has thrown in a little extra something something and tells him to go get changed and come back for a drink at the party. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. He a little extra for the hassle with Don. So Ray Weinstein at least acknowledges the fact that Don was a prick mm-hmm. in some way. Although he's... Aggie has managed to drag herself away from Oliver's bedside, and she's curious to know which guy is the racist shit, but Ed doesn't want to talk about it. But then he overhears Don refer to his family <coughs> as the whole flaming tribe. And then he's talking with somebody about the work that uh, Ed and Michael have done and how it's kind of shoddy and substandard. Pay peanuts, get monkeys, says Don. Oh. And that does it for Ed. And he confronts yeah. Don. Say it again, motherfucker, say it again. Don denies being a racist. Oh, it was just a joke, as it says, Ed. He's so tired of the names and the mockery and assuming that he's a criminal. He's heard it all a thousand times before. But let's hear it one more time. Say it again. But Don stays quiet. So yeah, because Ed... he doesn't want everybody to hear it. <laughs> right. He looks like he's kind of shitting his pants a little bit here. Yeah, as he should be. So Ed repeats it for him. And the whole bistro is kind of shocked. <gasps> and I Even cl- Ray Weinstein is horrified. Yeah, I thought that Ray Weinstein was going to fire Don on the spot. Yeah. And I think he's probably is going to fire him. Yeah. But, and that made me... It's like, oh, don't don't make me sort of support Ray right, Weinstein. Right, because let's remember. Right. He may not be a racist, but he's still a misogynist. Uh-huh. <sighs> and potential rapist, but anyway... Anyway. I clearly rattled Don, says it was just a joke, and he apologises. And Ed tells him to shove his apology up his arse. Right. right. Up his arse. Up his arse. We haven't done that in a while. We haven't. It felt good. And he and his family leave. So back home, Michael gives Tiana a wee pep talk about sticking up to the racists. And Grace is quite touched by this and then kisses Michael. Then she realises what she's done and she rushes away. Ed's in the rovers wishing that he'd taken the guy aside rather than publicly humiliating him. This is just... The the goodness mm-hmm. of Ed's character is that he's feeling bad for what he'd done to this racist piece of shit. Yeah, by he's still a homophobe out, though. By <laughs> calling him out publicly rather than ah. taking him to one side and saying, look pal, I think maybe temper your language a little bit because what you're saying here is coming across as it potentially could be taken by the mm. wrong ear as being a little bit racist. I'm glad he didn't do that. I'm glad he didn't do that. But yes, he's still... He's, he's still, still a homophobe. <clears throat> In comes Dave, and he says he knows what it's like. Absolutely. I found this uh, quite effective as well. Yes, because you see Dev in, in the bistro watching this whole thing, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, oh, yeah, Dev, Dev's been there. You can tell Dev's been there just by his face while he was listening to all of this. It was great. Right. Says the things that people have called him in his own shop. And when people put money on the counter rather than putting it in his hand because mm-hmm. they don't want to touch him. Right. James is explaining to Emma about the racist guy in the bistro. You know what it's like, he says to her. But it turns out that she doesn't know what it's like. The closest she's had is people touching her hair without asking. But then she's all like, hiya. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she, it's happened to her, but her she just point realize. of view is just... So, and and it it probably 
her her life is much different, you know, because she had a white dad mm-hmm. growing up and everything. So I'm sure some things were were tempered a little bit differently, you know, because white people hate to be racist around other white people who have black children. Mm. Even though she's mixed race, I think she's as... I think she's, she's just as, a bit clueless. She's as viable a target for racism right. as, as, yeah. as James is. Yeah, I mean, like, growing but I think up, she probably, but yeah. I think she probably it is just she always sees the good in people and probably doesn't hear. Right. Although she admits that it is kind of creepy that people put dig their hands through her hair without without her permission or consent. Mm-hmm. Although she did do that, she did do that to Seb like last year. Remember when they got together the first time and she was just like, "Oh, I just love your hair," and so did. I wonder if. Uh, this is taken from uh, the actor's experience. I bet. I bet it's a lot a, of this a, is. It's a strangely, strangely specific thing just to kind of oh, come up with. Black black people complain about the whole hair thing all the time. About people wanting to touch their hair. Kev, As they should complain. Kev then chats with Dave. He doesn't really know what to think about all this, but the way that he would deal with it is violence. <laughs> Dave doesn't think there's an excuse not to be woke these days. Then Kev says that he's never met a racist baby. And Abby kind of laughs at him and she, she says it's like, what was he called? When, he was, when they were recording him. Kev quote or something. That sort of thing. Aggie tries to get James to join her and Ed in the Rovers, but he still can't sit uh, with his dad and pretend everything's I all was, right. I was surprised that Tyrone didn't speak up because I'm sure... I'm I'm sure he's gotten weird glances with Ruby. Mm-hmm. Weird Ruby. I don't see Ruby, Ruby. in a while. We saw her this week. Did we? Yes, she was sitting at the table. And she and Hope were giving their nan a hard time about going to a dance. The, both of those wee girls were sitting at that table. Was that this week? Yes. They oh, went God. to the dance. We just talked about it. Later. <laughs> Aggie Badger's Ed to have a word with James and she points out all the abuse that he's been getting on social media, but Ed says that he's already seen it, which kind of surprises, surprises Aggie. Aggie a little bit. Aggie is proud of Ed for standing up to that bigot, but she wishes that she could be proud of him for standing up for James. She says that they brought their kids up to stand tall and never apologise for who they are. So Ed goes home to speak with James, and they share a beer. Ed knows what people have been saying about James, the snide remarks the coaches have made. If, if, it, if he comes out, Ed says it'll be worse. He's a big man, but he's still Ed's baby, and he tells James not to pretend to be something that he's not. He needs to live his best life, and James says that he doesn't know if he can be who he is. Ed tells uh, tells him to take as long as he likes. He's sorry for his opinions in the past. He tells James to be as proud of himself as Ed is of him, and the hug, and that's how we end this week's episodes. That was lovely. My complaint about the storyline. Mm-hmm is that it feels very rushed. And particularly on Friday. What do you mean? We've we've been dealing with Ed's homophobia for a couple of months now. On and off. On and off, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the racism thing really just started with 
Dawn's arrival on the scene That's true. from last week. So, However, it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice to see somebody on the show standing up for themselves and somebody else getting their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. We kind of needed that, didn't we? I'm not saying that I disliked the storyline and I thought Friday's episode, despite the fact that I think it was a little bit rushed, I thought it did some things very well. I thought Ed's speech in the bistro as he's squaring up to dawn was was excellent. Mm-hmm. And, and then the conversations in the rovers I thought was done very well. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that the, because the show is on at 7.30 mm-hmm. in the evening, there's only so much they can do in terms of the language to make it right awful. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a good job of of getting round that mm-hmm. with the whole pay peanuts thing, right? Because that was kind of that, that was really let, let, quite let us shocking. remember the whole monkey thing is something that has been used by white people in British media. Within the last year or so. So it was, it, it's still, you know, it's not like they grabbed some arcane thing that nobody refers people of other races as still. No. And on football terraces. Oh, yeah, the whole banana thing. whole banana thing and monkey chunks and stuff. So it's awful. They managed to get a real impactful, uh, scene mm-hmm. from that while still being within the constraints of having a show that's on at 7.30 in the evening mm-hmm. to make it that Ed's reaction to this is absolutely valid. It's not it's not some kind of d- diluted term. Right. They've, go, they've gone with something that is hard hitting. Right. And I'm, I applaud them on that. Absolutely. And Ed's reaction I thought was fantastic. It was great. But there was, like you said though as we were going through it but he's still homophobic. Or he was kind of homophobic towards his son. Mm-hmm. And I remember when this came up, the whole, oh, we, we can't really like Ed anymore. Right. Because <laughs> we did like Ed. And we went, no, well, now we really can't. So he had that kind of side of his character where he's complaining about bigotry while being a bigot. And I think I think that's that's something that has opened his eyes. Having to deal with Don, I think, has made him realise that he's putting his son through the same thing. And having Michael say, well, you need to stand up or else somebody else is going to get hurt. You're, you're pushing this battle onto someone else. I think that struck a chord with him as well as far as James and the whole homophobia stuff is concerned. Where, you know, because... uh Ed's whole argument has been, well, you just need to hush it up because if you don't, things life is going to be harder for you and I don't want your life to be hard. Right. You know, and then there was that brief time where he was like saying really homophobic things and they were like, <gasps> but it seems like the show kind of pulled back on that a little bit immediately afterwards and it became once again, just, just keep your mouth shut and keep your head down and, and do your work and... And don't admit to who you are. Because when James came out to Ed... Right. Ed was awful. Well, he seemed to be okay with it. Right. 
and then became awful about it. Right, because of the whole Danny thing. And then just yeah, you you can't be you can't be with right. I'm, one I'm, of my friends. Right. I'm fine with the idea of you being gay, but when I see you being actively gay or if I'm when I'm confronted with you being actually gay and and having a relationship with another man, that's puts me over the edge. Right. And I'm also incredibly against you saying this to anyone. Right. Or, or making this public. Right. Because it's just going to make your life a misery. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as, yeah, it's difficult. But you know what? People are difficult and people have layers. And everybody has prejudices that they have to they have to get over and they have to work through. You and I have prejudices that we have to get over and work through in our lives. You know, and I think it makes it more realistic to have Ed be a good man and a family man and hardworking and stands up to racism, but is also homophobic. I think that's very realistic. It's true. Cause and it, it's then good. You've got Aggie, who's kind of <laughs> holding the, the family together and, and being the kind of matriarch of the... But is then, on the other hand, just a fucking creep. And a horrible cook. Oh, God. I was... <laughs> I've forgotten about that, but yeah. <laughs> What's your moment of the week? Uh, Ed. Ed's speech to Don. You know, I think it's good to be. I was looking for something a little bit more cheery. and. This is this is empowering, and this is good, and this is, I th- like I said, I think it's this, this is the thing that I think we all needed in our lives this week, standing up for... Do you know... It's funny you said that because when I was watching it yesterday, there was part of me that was, you know, I'm off, I'm, I'm cheering him, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm cheering him on, but, and I'm like the whitest man in the world. Yes, but you are. <laughs> I kind of felt. <laughs> I f- <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. I felt like he was talking for me, but not particularly in that that scenario. Right. It was just. There's a bit, there's a bit in the Breakfast Club where one of the characters is goes on a bit of a speech, and it and, it, and it's a very specific situation, but it seems mm-hmm. to speak for all teenagers. And I kind right. of felt that way when I saw that movie the first time. I thought that's speaking for me. That's right. my, that's my voice that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that way about about the the Ed speech. The say it again thing was just right. oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, well, I can I can see that because, you know, we live in a world with social media where people will say really horrible things, but that's because they can do it anonymously. Yeah. If you if you met them in the street and said, "Okay, say it again. Say what you said on Facebook right now to my face and where everybody can hear you." They'd probably do the same thing Don did and, and cower and say, "Oh, well, it was just a joke." Mhm. And people, I think, would be horrified if they saw somebody speaking some of these things. Right. So I can I can see that. So that's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. The boring moment of the week. <sighs> Lollipops. <laughs> sure. Can I just say though that <laughs> nothing was really boring this week. No, the, 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 we'll give it to the lollipops. That's yeah. our boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. How good Nina was this week, despite the fact that she we wasn't in it. We don't see her at all. 
we just hear her music. Cradle of Filth is an actual band as well. I knew that. But I was so tempted to give Nina Moment of the Week, despite not being in it, just because just hearing that music and knowing mm-hmm. that she was in that room, mm-hmm. playing that music loudly, and Roy was okay with it and mm-hmm. was familiar with it, and Evelyn even seemed to be kind of familiar with it, mm-hmm. and it was mistaken for Workman. Mm-hmm. Was, that was just so funny. And then we got to, we got Kurt trying to do Mongolian throat. Kind of thing. It's it's kind of like when Sheldon did it on Big Bang Theory. Yeah, stolen from that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we wrap this one up then? Ah, uh, yes, please. Oh, I haven't written an outro. Yeah. Well, just wing it. So, if you've ever raised your eyebrows at the person that's sitting across the desk from you and then winked uh, and then flashed your boobs <laughs> if you've ever gone to a hospital and looked through a window that you weren't supposed to look through why don't you drop us a line we're the talk of the street at gmail.com which is also how you can get in touch with us on Skype if you want to leave a voicemail or throw a couple of droppings into our virtual tip bucket on PayPal we are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Streets. Ta. Bye-bye. <laughs>